You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. The yeah. Oscars have been and gone, and I thought the before the after the show discussion would be about what what we thought of the Oscars last week. You first. So, um, all right, I'll start with the uh, obvious thing. Uh, Seth MacFarlane, how did you like him as an Oscar host? Am I rating him out of, like, ten, like I do the movies on my written reviews? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me start by saying I like Seth MacFarlane TV shows at about an 81% rate. I love some of it. I hate some of it. So I'm, But mostly the ones I watch I love. His humor and stuff, you know. As a ho- as a host, as a, I didn't not that I didn't like him because later in the show when he was just doing the presenting and and asking and that's fine. I have no problem with him being that person, a personality with you know, introducing people and stuff. That's what the host should be anyway. But having him clearly write the first portion of the show. I hate that kind of stuff. I I thought I think it's kind of mean spirited and as I a think non it's inappropriate. That, if it was a different award show, it would be different, but not for the Academy Awards. The thing with Captain Kirk, I thought was really unfunny. Yeah. Um they seemed to think it was funny, but like I didn't at all. Like I, it was really everything to me. The Seth MacFarlane's like, oh my god, I have James T. Yeah. Kirk on the Academy Awards. Holy shit! And he's just laughing his ass off about the fact that he's got James T. Kirk telling him about the but, Oscars. You know what I mean? That's all I think it ma- seems to matter to him. Is like he gets his rocks off the Ted I, song and or the Ted people being up there and stuff. Ugh, just hated it. I hated that anyway, but I hated Ted, so... He seemed to um, calm it down towards the end, too. Absolutely. Like, it's almost as if somebody had said, like, less, jo- less jokes now, please. I feel like there was a team of people behind yeah. the stage watching Twitter, watching the internet, and going, oh my god, they're turning on us, they're turning on us, turn it down. Here's your, here's the second script we gave you to read, use this one The audience kind of turned on him a few times. Um, I'm not opposed to shaking people up a bit. I don't have a problem with that. I don't mind teasing people a little bit. But sometimes it seems really intentionally mean-spirited. And I don't... I'm not... I don't know. I don't The funniest thing for me is when he said... When he made a Mel Gibson joke and all the audience started grumbling and kind of booing at him. And then he said... Oh, you're on his side then. Right. I thought and that while, was really good. Well, I don't, I don't oppose that itself. <laughs> it still seemed inappropriate. It does, but it was I mean, this pretty... is a ceremony of sorts. No matter what you think about the Academy Awards, the validity of it, it's still created as a glamorous spectacle, right? And that is what it is. Now, if you want to infiltrate it and sort of bring it down from the inside by making it seem all ridiculous and shit, that's what that feels like to me. And if you want to do that, I mean, there's nothing... There's no reason to bring down the Academy Awards. If you don't like it, don't watch it, right? So you don't need to go in and be like, I'm shaking them up this year. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to embarrass everybody and I'm going to make them all feel uncomfortable. Like, what's the point? There are people who love the Academy Awards. It's an innocuous ceremony. It means nothing, really, in the big picture of the world. 
let them have it. If you want to have a ceremony where you're hateful and mean-spirited and rip people up, make your own. You know what I mean? Like, maybe other ones are like that, and I just don't watch them, but... And with the presenting and stuff, it was all fine for me. Um, but could somebody email me and tell me what Paul Rudd and McCarthy lady from Bridesmaids were actually <laughs> talking about? Because that was a... I think they were just... A they, weird interaction. It seemed to me like... It was a joke. They they said to each other, "We're gonna do this crazy. We're just shit. gonna do something that nobody, nobody will get this, but it'll be really funny." And we like can say, "Ha ha ha! Yeah. Look what we did on the Academy yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. If you want to go in from the inside, get your foot in the door, and then be like, "Oh, I'm gonna do something different than the Academy Awards." Yeah, I'm gonna shake it up. What is your point exactly? This isn't like you're infiltrating a dictatorship in a country and trying to rescue millions of people from being, uh, you know, um, oppressed. You're going into a ceremony with a bunch of rich people that's going to happen every year no matter what you do. I mean, I understand, Joe. I mean, yes, you do need a host who's lively and bubbly and interesting. You do need that. Um, I don't even love the spectacle of the other hosts, though, to be honest. I've never really loved it. I could be honest, I liked Franco and Anne Hathaway's opening and what's-his-face, Wolfman guy. Wolfman Jack, what was his name? Wolverine. I liked his opening stuff better than this one. Um, so, what about the uh, the winners of the Oscars? Do you think it I'm was neutral? A, um, I my highlights were Quentin Tarantino getting the writing because you know writing his it's his thing really, isn't it? Yep. You know, he, he writes scripts uh, more than he. Makes I did films. love that the guy won from um, Django. Christoph Waltz. Yes, uh, that absolutely. was another and. Um, what was the other big one for me? That Jamie I... Foxx won, didn't he? Or did he? No. Mm. He did not. Um, the other big one was... Oh. Best Picture? Argo? What did you think? Um, ben Affleck's speech was really inspiring, I thought. It was very nice. I didn't see all the movies, so I don't know how it compares. No, but I, so I, I, I definitely say, think ben I can't Affleck... say that it deserved to win. All I can say is it was a really good movie. Yeah, and you know, it, it was a really nice speech he gave. He gave I thought. Yeah, I think he could. I think he's inspiring to other filmmakers because he, like you say, he's been through the ringer Hollywood way, hasn't he? He really has. Yeah, I think he's underrated as a. You and he know. came out of it as this, and when he. The first thing, he, first person he thanked was Steven Spielberg. He said, "You know, you're a genius," and <laughs> and and Steven Spielberg even went, "Oh, thank." I could see him. He was like, "Oh, <laughs> don't thank like, your fellow nominees <laughs> for inspiring you so much." But yeah, I I liked it in general. I don't think it was, I think it was kind of on a, a low. Like it, you know, one of my favorite ones of recent years for the Oscars is when Ellen uh, presented it. Why? Because she was like super natural. She was, absolutely. And, you know, there was that hilarious part where she was vacuuming and telling them to lift their feet up and stuff. I think that having somebody who's done a talk show, who's she, been she on She didn't seem nervous. It was just total... I real, I liked... I liked her, yeah. I forget what the opening thing was with her, but... I don't, she did a song and dance thing, because I remember having, like, um, a tuxedo on. Oh, right. But she had a training shoes on. Like, she and, of course, did. her dancing, because that's yeah, what she did she's that. famous for. But, yeah, I, I seem to... Thinking back, that one was really good, I thought. And I really liked... You know, I can take or leave somebody like Billy Crystal, to be honest. Because you know what you're going to get from him. It's almost vaudevillian, right? It's old style. Um, but so was that I think it fits. I think it fits, though, like Billy Crystal. Because yeah. Billy Crystal doesn't really cross a line. It's quite kind of... Who would you have now at this point? Who would you pick? If I could pick everybody? anybody, thinking of somebody. I actually I would think... actually have me, yeah. Tom Cruise. Why? Because I think he's really charismatic. And I think 
he... What, how, what makes you think he's charismatic? Just is his personality. I like Based his personality. Based on what, though? You just on him. everything I've seen of him. Interviews, him being in movies, etc., right? Um, but I wouldn't think he'd have an agenda. I don't think he would be making fun of anybody. I think he would be celebrating the movies, which I think is what it's about. Exactly. It's not about making fun of people. It's about, look, it's the movies. It's our night, um, the, the people who work in movies, to celebrate and show, you know, love well, to each other. the beginnings were hosted by Bob Hope. You know, lots of them were. And he was a poker funner guy. He did right. like to tease the celebrities. Johnny Carson teased the celebrities. I think that Steve Martin teased the celebrities. So, teasing is the thing. There's a line, though, where it becomes just hateful. And I don't... I know that that's some It doesn't have to be, that It's though. some people's sense of humor to go, Ooh, I don't want to just tease them. I want to make them look like assholes. And I want to make them feel bad. And I want to make everybody laugh at them. And I want to make them look like jerks. Like a bunch of fucking jerks. Well, that's not funny to everyone. That's only funny to you and the group of people. And it's inappropriate. And I was very disappointed with the tribute to 007. I know. 50 Years of 007. Because that is an awesome thing to celebrate. 50 years of a movie franchise. There is no other one that's been that long, you know. And um, If you're talking about the... The, Something that has brought attention to Hollywood and to the Academy of Arts and Sciences throughout the years. It's got to be a major oh, yeah. player in the whole and, and of it. That, this particular year, a James Bond movie was up for Oscars. It, Absolutely. It, I mean, it was fitting. So, what did they do? They showed us a really badly strung together co- collection Very of clips bad. from all the movies. I've seen better montages. And in fact, after the after it had finished... I've made better slideshows. Well, after it finished, <laughs> I went to YouTube and looked like 50 Years of Bond. And there's lots of fans of Bond who've put together the best scenes from all the DVDs to the music. Let me guess. And did they show really clear, good faces yeah, perfect, of each yeah. Bond, had really good examples of the music, and really good shots of the women and all the bad guys? Way this better. one didn't. Happen. I'm talking about YouTubers who've put together this. Because they love it. Way better than... And the, I mean, this Academy Awards thing, they'd put some kind of filter over it to make it... And basically, half the time, you couldn't really see what was going on. Um, and then they brought Shirley Bassey out, which was cool, I thought, because, you know, it is a very memorable Goldfinger. But... When Shirley Bassey came out, that's when all the Bond ladies should have come out. That's when the, the Bonds bond- should have well, come out. Well, the Bonds could have at least been in the audience or something. Like, pay attention. Maybe I mean, a lot of people I mean, it's 50 years though. of Bonds. Why didn't we have one James Bond on the Maybe stage? Maybe a bunch of them refused. Like, I'm not into that shit. Why didn't Daniel... Why wasn't even Daniel Craig... Maybe he's making there. a movie. Academy Awards aren't everybody's top of their priority list, so maybe he's off somewhere making. They're not, a movie. but anyway, excuses aside, there <laughs> excuses. There was no, it wasn't really a celebration of Bond. They played some clips, and Shirley Bassey and Adele sang. That was it. Like that was the whole thing. It was um, anticlimactic. The clips were just really badly put together. It was anticlimactic for me because the Bond people have been talking about it for months. Tune into the Oscars. We are having an awesome celebration of Bond, and I was like, wow. The th- half of the theme of the Oscars is his celebration of Bond. Yes, it was, but it wasn't very good. <laughs> there was why didn't they why didn't they drive the Aston Martin on the stage or something? Just something like <laughs> even you know I wouldn't have been opposed to a to a dancing number with the silhouetted ladies with the cars or props from the thing. Somebody on a jetpack, a Cirque du Soleil kind of. <laughs> do you get me? It could yes, have been like done. It would have been interesting to look at. Clips is not it, is it? I mean, we can look at clips whenever we want. So, 
Oscars overall, good. I, I think, you know, the winners and stuff were good. See Life of Pi, because we've not even seen it. I'm really interested to see it now. So it's a good commercial, obviously, for movies you haven't seen. Yeah, because they're not out it yet. really made me and they, see it. they come out soon when they're in the consciousness of people who've just been advertising to, right? Right. And that's the reason movies like Life of Pi will come out in a few weeks, because they wait until after the Oscars. You mean not on DVD? Yeah. Blu-ray? That's when people can They've see They've been out already, obviously. They've been in the cinemas last year, right? right? They have to be in 2012 to be nominated. Um, all right, so that's a long introduction. Let's get down to the show. It's Saturday, March the 2nd, 2013. This is after the show number 264. We're actually reviewing the movie Oscar nominated... Oscar nominated movie. The Sessions this week. Um, it was Oscar nominated for supporting actress for Helen Hunt. We have a good Helen Hunt story. We will tell you it later. Wasn't it also nominated for something else? No, just that one. Are you sure it wasn't for Best Picture? Just that one. I look. One Oscar nomination. I looked. I got it from IMDb, that information. So huh. if IMDb are wrong, I'm sorry. Um, so, and it, it was nominated for other things, but not Oscars. Like other awards. Right. Like Independent Spirit and that kind of thing. It won a bunch of those. So, yeah, because it says on the back of the box, the indie darling comes home. So, it's a 2012 movie. It, it's released on Blu-ray on the 12th of February, so you can get it now. It's rated R, and it's from our friends at Fox, and you're going to give us the synopsis of The Sessions. This, uh, excuse me, I was yawning. Not at you. Don't, don't be offended. Um, this is like a slice of a time in the life of a man, in real life, who had polio when he was a kid, so he was completely, like... Couldn't move quadriplegic completely from it. Well, not that he can he, move his head, right? And even in the movie says it's not that I can't move anything. It's just that my muscles don't work, and so he's lives in an iron lung most of his life. And he's a poet and a, you know an academic. However, in his life, by the time he's almost forty, had never had sex or a relationship really of any kind. And this is about him. He wrote an article after this happened in his life about having a sex surrogate. And this is that slice of his life. So this is the 40-year-old virgin, but the most sophisticated, intelligent <laughs> version. Did you make that up? No, I just, that's what I was th- Yeah, that's what I was you thinking. You didn't hear anybody else say that? No. Nice. He wasn't 40 yet, but that's good. That's close, isn't it? It's the non-dumb 40-year-old virgin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right, yeah, but... N- that's got a certain amount of hilarity. It does. I was going to say, yeah, it is actually quite It has quite that funny. uncomfortable, sweet yeah. kind of humour. Yeah. Where so, you just go, oh my god, that's so uncomfortable. But it's so true, you know, that kind All right, of- so let's get on to the movie, The Sessions. What did you think of The Sessions? I loved it. It's, um... It's Is a, that all you need to know? No, it's not very good. No, no I loved it. I enjoyed it. It was entertaining, and it was... So, should we go into spoilers? Yes, we will. So, go and watch this movie, and then come back and listen to what we have to say. Unless you don't care. Because might, we might ruin it for you. In Absolutely. fact, we will. Go, so, go for it. What? I don't have any spoilers. I just... I, I was going to say what I like oh, about it. Oh, you don't it. know? No. Oh, okay. So I have to either give spoilers or I'm done? No, I'm saying... That you, <laughs> I, uh, no, what I'm saying is... I really enjoyed it. I feel like it was really honest. Uncomfortably honest. And occasionally pretentiously honest. In that sort of indie movie way. But if, very rarely. But it sometimes had that in there. But it never stopped my... I was completely mesmerized by... I think I went beyond the movie as I'm watching it and the lives of people who are 
marginalized, to be honest, by us in, in society. Even you have said, you know, when we think about movies about sex, all we think about are the dumb ones where guys are trying to get laid and it's like stupid yeah. romantic comedies and everybody ends up falling into the sand and screwing and everybody's, everyone's quote-unquote kind of able-bodied and everyone's fine and attractive and all that kind of stuff. Everything that society accepts and wants... But that's not how we all are. It's not so when you, when you think about, you know, people who aren't that, what do they do? It is actually hard to find other movies that are not about, you know, sex movies that are not just spoof comedy type thing or um, sexy, actually made to be sexy, like basic instinct or something. With all the natural trappings. Right. There's nothing kind of all, there's nothing kind of off from that, is there? It's really hard to find anything. Now the indie kind of movie scene, the lesser known movies, I'm sure there are some within that, but in mainstream, nothing. Mm-mm. Really hard to find anything. In fact, I was looking for oh maybe I'll have some recommendations that can go along, like you know, with a look at not just the you know a different side of sexuality. It's really hard to find it. There probably are. We're just not coming, thinking of them. But I, I actually looked up, you know, movies about set, and I was like, which ones have I seen? It? Yeah, I've seen quite a bunch of these, but they don't fit what I'm thinking. They're they're just ordinary. They don't fit. Like what this is to me is an honest look at the role, the physical act of penis and vagina plays in our whole perception of life. The concept of a man's penis going in a woman's vagina is everyone's idea of sex. That's it. Penetration. Full penetration. And there's lots of variations on screwing and having sex, but that's really what we ultimately think about. And when you can't do that, or when it's very difficult to do that, then everyone in the whole world is going to think, oh, poor guy, never get laid. Yeah. But there's so... and, and, And the fact that that act itself is so trivial and unimportant and like the physical moment of it. But to build up in your mind, as someone like him, thinking of it as like this huge thing he's never done and intimidating him and thinking that changes you as a person. We really think that. All of us think that. And now the question here, for, the big question here for me was, you know, um, sex surrogate lady. So what that is, if you're not aware, is somebody <laughs> almost like a... Um, therapist, yeah. a therapist, but actual physical sex is involved in her job, right? Correct. So now you, a lot of people would say, well, what's the difference between her and a prostitute? And then she explains in the movie that, oh yeah, there are differences and these are the differences. Right. You can't see me like every week is one of them. You can only see me six times. That was her stipulation. But... And she takes money for this. Let's also put that up front. In fact, there's a, there's an awkward thing where yeah. it leaves the money on the thing. Now, are they prostitutes? I don't. It's a, it's a fine line, surely, right? I mean, yes, you can say they're doing it for the greater good, to help somebody or whatever. But prostitutes would also say that to you. Oh yeah, we're helping people. You know. What's the definition of prostitution? Do you like know? you pay for sex, I guess. I don't know. That's what I'm asking. I think I don't that's think, it. I mean, we think we know what money prostitution for, is. Money for a service, kind of like you know, you pay and then they do it and then they leave, right? Which is what she's doing. It's just so it happens. Hers is dressed up in the. I go and write about it. I issue. I give you a, a but report. Then, but then you know, if I'm sick and you bring me things that make me feel better, that doesn't make you a doctor. 
right? So just because right. she's having sex, that doesn't as part make her of her therapy. No, no, it makes her not doesn't make her a prostitute. Just because part of the therapy of a person whose issue is a sex, like the whole of it, the physicality of it, or the mental part of it. It's not just people who are unable to, but that's but your it might issue. Be but well. I'm saying, but but the fact that sex is involved doesn't make it prostitution. It is part of it. So. I think it's a misconception. Obviously, it's not illegal because you can be a sex therapist and do this, right? But people probably look down on it and think it's a joke and think it's just what you're saying. Like hippy-dippy or something. something Yeah, but I think it's completely valid because people won't admit it, but a lot of people could use some actual sex therapy. And it's it's, um, portrayed well, I think. Um, Helen Hunt's not shy in this movie at all. Mm. Like she, I don't just mean that she gets naked because she does get naked quite a few times. But I mean, actually, in what she says, like the dialogue and the just, it, it's like unflinching on yep, her, isn't that's it? That's what I'm is saying. It? The honesty of it is what I like. Her thing is she's really, she just goes for it. Everything. The di- You know, she has to say some really tough stuff. And she's, the, the actual character is really super open. Like, so, and, you know, that's what. Because for her, it's not a hang up like it is for everybody else. So no, if right. she says to you, okay. I'm going to put your penis in my hand, and I want yeah. you to tell me how it feels. Now, she's going to say that to you, and I could probably say that to you, too, just the same way I say, do you want a cup of tea, or do you want me to put my finger in your asshole? Which one? <laughs> See? Sweet. You laugh at it, but the uh, thing is, if you're in a can situation... I, can I have both at the same time? <laughs> Might yes. be a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, if you want. But I'm just saying, just because you giggle at it, and other people will giggle at it, that's what's wrong with people in sexual life, is that they don't understand... The physicality of it is there's nothing mysterious or precious about it. And she's just that person. Yeah, and and that's what I say. In real life, she might not be that person, right? I mean, most people are not that person. So I think she portrays being that person really well because part of the hilarity of this movie and the funny moments come from... Is the brush... in your face how she just said like I was kind of like wow she's just going to say that to him or do you want to suck my nipples or do you want to talk or which one do you want to do first I mean Uh, she's just going to say it to him and he's kind of he's a bit well very awkward because he's got his whole mind has been tripped out with religion and Catholicism and guilt now on the other hand of this and being a person who's not able to explore every part of life because of his physical limitations so some of my favourite parts of the movie aside from, like, the Helen, them having the sessions, is the other sessions where he goes to see the priest, yeah. who's played by William H. Macy. And what I thought was really complex about those scenes are that he wants to give confession to the priest, and, and he's very unflinching about what he says. He says everything. Like, he tells him everything about his sex life, and how he came on it on a leg, and all <laughs> weird, you know, stuff that you wouldn't really tell a priest, I guess. Oh, I bet people Some people do. do but yeah. It, yeah, but most people, no, probably wouldn't. So he tells, unflinchingly, the priest this stuff. And then the priest is having this crisis of faith, almost, like, because it's... Oh, I disagree. Right. I think he's already figured it out. Yeah, well, no, I, I guess I... I you, not disagreeing with this. Because the priest is having... Uh, I guess I worded it wrong for you no, to disagree. Because what, what I'm he's... saying is... He's having... First, he asks him, what would God think of this? And he has to... And he says, what, you want my, like... You want my decision so you can go ahead with it? And then he has to think about that. Like... But I don't think there's a crisis of faith. That's a pretty big deal. Well, it, it's a... 
asking questions that you might never have thought of, right? Exactly. That that I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, so so they're my favorite parts because they're really complicated. Because he has to. Because normally it's very clear cut. Uh, father and a boy I really like, and he wants me to have sex with him. Child, you don't have sex yeah. before you're married, and that's just the way. But it this is, is this, this guy's forty year old. There's not really any harm in this, but but it, where's the harm in the thing at all? Right. Why do we not have sex out of marriage anyway? He never. They never approached that. They never approached. And that, he but. does say the priest does say to him like, on a, off the record and officially, just go for it. Yeah. Like you know, like because he sees that like this means everything to this man. I mean, it literally means everything to him, doesn't it? He, he doesn't feel like he's... He says at one point, I don't even feel like I'm grown up or anything until I've... Yeah. So it means everything to him to do it. So he's like, oh, I can't hold him back. I can't tell him that God would be... Look down on him for that. Because look at this guy. He got lucky with that priest. Yeah, he really did. He got, he In got, real life, if the priest was different, he would have... It his life been might have been different, story. right? Because yeah. he might have... The priest might have said... Sorry, no, do not do that. Go and say Hail Mary's. And then... God's made you this way for a reason. Right. God has a plan for you. God... Da, 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 da. And, and then, this guy was more like... Uh. And my other question about this movie is... How does an iron lung work? Why is your head not in it? Like, it's your probably, whole probably body's a, in it. You probably have a thing inside you. That we, haven't, that we don't see. I like couldn't it. really tell, like, watching the movie. It's probably a thing that's surgically implanted in you. Like a shunt that you do medication. Why do you have to be in a... Because the whole thing pressure like squeezes the air in and out of you, oh. so your lungs will work. That's the whole. The pressure inside goes. It gets pressure. I'm not familiar with them, and in the movie, I, I guess it was like, oh, well, you probably know what this is. It's and because I'm, he can't make his lungs not as well go in and out on his own because his muscles around never don't work. So uh, the iron lung it just basically pressurizes and depressurizes, and, and I still, think also it pumps air into. You, I think they still have those now. I would imagine, yeah, there's going to be people Probably who different it. looking than that. Um, I don't think so. Kind of looked... They might look, look more plastic now, but I think they're very similar. I've seen a square one before that didn't look like something that just came off a submarine. But, I mean, I think the principle is the same. There'll always be people who will need those. So, I think the movie, in general, is, like, a really wonderful movie. But I don't think it's for everybody. Because I think, if you're prudish in any way, I think you would be totally offended by this movie. Um, if you're... Yeah, it's it's. There's going to be a lot of people who it's too challenging for them. Oh right? yeah, just in the presentation of it, it's too forthright. It's too in the face. Like, it's, was it for you? No, not at all. Because I'm not, you know. And I, I find it, um, you know, some people will be like laughing because there's because they're naked. You know, I, I what I felt was weird though is they never showed him naked. Not fully. No, but her like fair enough, full on like, but never him like. Um, and I would have thought that would have been... I think they should have at one point, at least. You know when she was holding the mirror yeah. and saying, this is you? I think you should have seen all of him just to make a point that this movie's not scared of... Yeah. Because the whole point in the movie, like, even she, when when she goes and gets naked at the end and goes in the water, and that woman says, oh, you're not afraid of your body, or you're not shy or whatever, that was kind of like the point. But then, then we don't see him naked. I'm not saying I want to see him naked. I'm saying it just seemed a bit... Like, he didn't want to do it, or and that seems a bit against the movie, like... You have no idea, though. I have no idea, but why not? I mean, why why couldn't he... There was a scene, it's very specific, where she mm-hmm. holds the mirror up and says, this is your body, trying to get him used to seeing his own body. And she's holding the mirror in a way that you see everything but not his penis, right? So I don't know what the deal was, whether they just to do with the censorship or what, I don't know. It's really odd, the censorship. I mean, you think about his life as well. 
when she's talking to him about being touched and stuff, bringing up that issue, and you think, oh, yeah, he's never really... But he has people touch him every single day. They have to lift him out of yeah, the bed. Well, the, we, they the, wash his the opening body. scene is uh, the lady yeah. washing him. They wash his whole body. They touch his whole body. And he talks about having an erection, but he has no control over it. It's not sexual because it just happens. And then, well, the opening scenes is yeah, uh, his lady. All of those people His have nurse to lady it. washing him, and then he comes on her. Well, it didn't come on her, but he... Uh, he got a boner or whatever. Yeah. But he said he, he, said he did to the, to the priest. Right. And... So he's having that experience, but attaching the sexual part of it to him, to it, was the thing for him that I thought was an interesting, you know, when you think, well, you get touched and handled and kind of manhandled all the time. If you, you know, like your body gets touched in every spot, they have to dress you, they have to wash you, they have to clean you. They they didn't address any of those real body issues that, you know, they might have shied away from a lot of that as well, because I'm sure there was a lot of that. But, but in his mind, the sexual touching... And the this is different this from the fantasy of a woman that he would love and would love him back to touch him was just so out there and that's I like that part of it too that and then like he falls in love immediately too you, with everybody you know, with anybody <laughs> except for the first shows lady. any interest yeah apart he from... didn't fall in love with Vera she was very straightforward and you know I liked her the because she she kind of was yeah she never showed that kind of a little bit friendly yeah exactly but, so um. Moving on to the cast here, Helen Hunt plays Cheryl. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm not a big fan of, what's our Helen Hunt story, by the way? I said we had a Helen Hunt story earlier on. What's the story? Uh, we were in <laughs> the very, the crowded theater for Castaway. Which was years ago. A long ago. time ago. We are in the very next to the last row. I was against the wall, and you were next to me, to my right. And these older ladies, I'm going to say late 60s, early 70s, came in with their little bags on their laps and sat behind us. We're going through the movie, and the very first thing, you know, Tom Hanks and her come on the screen, and they both go, in full voice, not whispering, really oh, loud. Helen Hunt. Then they go on from there to go, <laughs> he works for Federal Express. Yeah, <laughs> like what? a commentary. Yeah. <gasps> that plane is crashing. It was just like, but the, oh, Helen Hunt. Oh, with I, this, be, I with bet this, he's going to make friends with, with the ball. With this beloved voice, oh, Helen Hunt. And I was trying to think after that. What have they seen of her, except for that TV show? Probably. As Good As It Gets hadn't been out yet, had it? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just really funny. So now when we hear anything... We Helen just Hunt, go, we go, oh, Helen oh, Hunt. Helen Hunt. So, yeah, Helen Hunt's never been in my... I've never been, like, seeking out Helen Hunt movies or... But, yeah, As Good As It Gets, I really yep. think is a good performance. Um, but this one's, like, really different for me. Like, it's not what I expect from her. Obviously, just I feel because like of she the... let go of the actressy stuff. Even as good as it gets, has a lot of those moments that are very mulled over yeah. and rehearsed. As good as it is, it's a very actressy kind of a role, and she does it that way well. But it's transparent sometimes. This is more like there would some, be some soul searching going on, not just because of the nakedness, because I think you know that's just a thing. But I mean, the whole of it. I think there was a lot of intimacy between them physically. You know, I think she let go of a lot of things, and that actually freed her up to not be quite so... Actressy. Yeah. Like, I bought her as... Like, professional you know. actressy, yeah. Yeah, and it... I don't know what Helen Hunt's like, and it, this could just be her. That's why she's a good actress. Right. So. <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed... I mean, I mean, she is the majority of the... In film. most of the scenes, yeah. Yeah. And, um... John Hawks plays Mark, who we saw recently in um, Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. He's excellent in that. Oh, my God. He's also from Deadwood. 
There's three people from Deadwood in this movie. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, this is a mini Deadwood reunion. There's three actual dudes from Deadwood. Did the guy who directed have something to do with it? No, that? I had a look, but the, and when I went and had a look, somebody somebody on the IMDb forums had said, hey, there's, there's Deadwood people in this. Does anybody remember Deadwood? And I'm like, yeah, I remember Deadwood. And Maybe definitely... the director directed an episode or something and just knew it. I mean, that is, you know, you don't get that all. So John Hawks, you know, he was from, he was... Uh, main, he was, he was amazing in Martha, Marcy, Mary May, or whatever it was called. Marcy, Martha, May, Marlene. That's it. it? <laughs> really um, amazing. But this, holy shit, like, this is a method piece of acting, because he said, like, it... Mm-hmm. I mean, even, you know, like, um, I was just thinking, um, Joaquin Phoenix in The Master, he actually contorts his body, the whole thing. This is obviously that kind of thing, too, where it's not just... It's physical as well as... Because, you know, yeah. he's playing a uh, person who can't move above the neck, right? But then he's just a normal-looking dude, but it looks like he's actually Absolutely. paralyzed. And he shows you how he does it in the extra, in one of the extras. He's got, like, this weird ball thing that he yeah. lies on to make his spine kind of cut. I knew there was. It's like, looks, you watch enough movies and you go, like, okay, I can see what he's doing. Imagine but... how painful that is, though, to do to Very be contorted for hours on end. You know, like, ow, just be uncomfortable for hours on end. And he was... He said, no, I, even when we're not filming, I left it under, because why be comfortable yeah. when you're playing this guy? Like, this guy was never comfortable. He might have been, if that's his whole life. You right, but I think that was... Uh, from what he, from what I was reading there in the book and stuff, he, he it was a shitty time. Like. Oh sure, yeah. Um, so William H Macy plays Father Brendan. Is it? <laughs> I don't know if the shameless him playing Frank Gallagher has kind of hurt him in a way, because I can't not see Frank Gallagher, <laughs> and and in this movie. He looks like priest Frank Gallagher, right? Because he's the same... He's been making Shameless and probably made this film around the same time. He looks like Frank Gallagher. He's not He's not, not clean cut. He's not changed his look. So I keep thinking Frank Gallagher. And Frank Gallagher, an episode of Shameless, he could pretend to be a priest for some reason because he's so out there, right? So that's what you're thinking. This I kept is thinking Frank it. Gallagher yeah, it's Frank in. Gallagher as a priest. Like, and yeah. I, I don't, but he didn't have any of the things of Not Frank the actual... Though. Once he starts speaking, it's just the visual of it. It's like, you know, it's William H. Macy with that long hair. So you're superficial, is what you're saying. Looks a bit scruffy. And I've seen Frank Gallagher so much. I'm kind of, it's kind of... But I didn't get the feeling this priest smelled like piss and beer, though. And yeah, when I you did see too. Frank Gallagher, I didn't. I'm saying yeah. I didn't. And oh, Frank I Gallagher, did. you do. Not at all. He's, nah, he's just clean. kind of scruffy looking like. You know? No. Like a nerf herder. No. So, um, yeah, I don't know if it's done him any harm. Like, I know you can visually change yourself. It didn't do anything for me, so maybe not. For me, I just couldn't get it out of my head because he looked identical to him. But he, like, he didn't even have, like, a different haircut or he shaved a beard off or anything. Like, it was just... Like, he'd stepped off the shameless set and come and did this. And why I, does that matter, though? I don't get it. Well, my point was, I don't know if him doing the shameless thing is. Yeah, but why in my does that head. impact you? So that's what I'm asking. Why would you even I can't, think that after I, the first I, I scene? I think he's going to like come out with something really weird all of a sudden because I think what Frank Gallagher comes out with. You don't think that about other actors? Tom Cruise looks sometimes. the same in almost every movie, but you don't start going, "Oh, that." I don't know. I guess Frank Gallagher. I I associate the look, the scruffy looking look, 
with that character. And I'm saying though, Tom Cruise looks the same in most movies. So do you think from each, each movie, always going to be just like the guy from the last movie because he looks the no, same? No, that's what I'm saying. It's something very specific about Frank Gallagher. About the... He looks like a tramp. Like, it, it looks like somebody who lives on the streets. Like, it's, it's kind of... And this priest didn't at all. He just had long hair. I just hair. think he looked exactly like that, apart from him having a smock on. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, he's really good in it, though. Always? I mean, he's always good, though, right? right? Um, and I, my favourite scenes had him in, it, in them. Not Helen Hunt. Because I liked what he was saying to him. I, in fact, I was looking forward, watching the movie, to <clears> the <throat> scenes after he'd been for a session... To see what he tells him, like right, because it's he t- he just tells him it straight up, like everything, and you're like, oh my god, no, he's saying that to the priest at first when you realize. Oh, I don't have anything precious about priests, so I think you can tell them anything. Right, I could walk I, in and I, say, I was night, well Catholic. Already. Last night, Father, I uh, stabbed a man to death, and then I robbed him, and then I went and killed three three people. And I think you, I think you're supposed to tell them everything. And you are supposed to tell them everything. Well, my priest, <laughs> the priest I went to, uh, when I, I was brought up Catholic and we had to go to confession every week, the, you uh, could tell him stuff, but only a certain... You, you knew how far you could go. Well, that's not very good, is it? That's just how a lot of Catholic priests are. They don't want to hear the intimate details. They just want to hear the, the actual offense. The sin. <laughs> yeah, and then they'll give you the... They don't want to hear that you came on somebody's leg. They just want to hear... Maybe you had some bad thoughts, or you tried to. You don't want to hear. It's a changing world, though, isn't it? Right. So it. So in my mind, because I have preconceived ideas of my priest, it, it. It's like when he's telling them this stuff, I'm like, no, you don't tell him that. But this, then, at the first meeting with the priest, you don't get the priest. You don't get how open he is, do you? And I don't actually think he is as open as you as he is at the end. The guy opened him up. Probably, yeah, I would say. Yeah, it's like like the next guy who comes along, he might be a bit more open to. So um, yeah, um, now also the other Deadwood person is uh, W. Earl Brown, who plays Rod, and he's like his helper. I really liked him in Deadwood, and you never see him. I've never seen him since. This was the first time I'd seen him. Yeah. And uh, another person I wanted to note down was Moon Bloodgood, which is a fantastic name, who plays Vera, who his is Kara. Um, his second carer, and she third, um, third that we see third that we see yeah, and she um, she's fantastic because she, she has this very different relationship to him that anybody else has. A little protective, very fat matter of fact, but like, also very professional, and no no um, no emotion like man woman emotion, more emotion like I care for Un- you and understand you yeah like like I understand I'm taking you to have sex with this woman and I get it and doesn't bother me at no. all and, and I'll leave you there and, and I will pick protect you, you and take care of you and I'm defensive of him she's a bit defensive of him like when the yep. guy in the motel starts being a little bit like so what's wrong with your boss and she looks at him like yeah where's this gonna go like you know I'll, I'll fight you if you're gonna make fun of the situation but she does a great job of being reserved and like the most solid person, I think, in the whole movie. And she's in it more than you think. I thought yeah. she was just going to be a small part, but she's in quite a lot of the scenes. Um, so this is directed by Ben Lewin. And um, Ben Lewin actually um, has not done any other films, but he, he did do some episodes of Ally McBeal, and he did do Touched by an Angel, some episodes of that. So he's like a TV guy. And this is his first feature film, feature film. And he's not a young guy, because we saw him mm-hmm. on the... Th- on the um, extras 
Uh, so what do you think of the direction here? It's pretty straightforward. Very. It's um, it's not artsy. I didn't find it's not. But again, it's there's some intimate shots. Yeah, that it does might... a good job of being intimate, but yeah. it's fairly. It's not weird. It's not from weird angles. You don't you don't live the life from his point of view like you do in the one movie where you're the guy with the one left eye. Diving bell and the butterfly. Yeah, you. It's not like that where you're from his point of view well, all the time. It's not, not that artsy. there's anything wrong with it. It's yeah, more like. We're like watching. It's like a TV episode, actually. Kind about of, it. yes. But obviously the subject matter is not like a TV episode. But, but it really is. But it's just ordinary to look at. Apart from the fact that you see nudity, which is out of yeah. the ordinary. It wouldn't be... It wouldn't yeah, that's what makes you. it feel that much more straightforward, is that you're looking at it in a way that's usually very clinical. Like, right. very... Because very... really well lit... Like it, yeah. it, it never, it's not gloomy or anything, is it? Even the the rooms where they, the room where they have sex, it's yeah, it's very well lit. It's like um, all lit, like a soap opera, maybe. <laughs> but it's no, it, but I know what you mean. You know what I mean? It's not gloomy. It's not no shaky cam. No, none of that. Mm-mm. It's just straight filmmaking, which is good because it because the story's so strong. All that gimmicky stuff might have got in the way. Absolutely. Of it. So um. Yeah, quite good. Uh, so, uh, Blu-ray extras here. Not a lot, actually. No, not a lot. Um, and th- that's kind of common for these Fox uh, Searchlight movies. Um, so, yeah, it's very, very small on features. It's got some deleted scenes, which actually only consists of two deleted scenes. Um, <laughs> very brief. Yeah, they're brief. There's the one in the car with, with a son. And the sun's not really a big part of the movie, and that scene's way... That scene would have... The sun had been on the screen more than in the rest of the movie, right? And then there's the scene with him talking to the moon Bloodgood. Uh, Bloodgood? Is mm-hmm. that what she's called? Yeah. Um, take it or leave it, deleted scenes. The one with the sun, I wasn't overly... Didn't tell you anything you didn't know already. Oh, and the silly one. The one. Yeah. The, uh-huh. There's also uh, a scene that takes part inside his head, a fantasy scene, which I'm glad it wasn't in the movie because yes, it could occur in his head, but the rest of the movie is nothing like that, so it would have stuck out and been been a bit weird. Um, this also features like a bunch of featurettes, but you know what we're going to say? They're the kind of featurettes that I know what you're going to say. Electronic press kit featurettes, the ones that you. You're being sold the movie with a couple of interviews with people. But it's like, please go and see this movie. Here's what we have to say about it. They're not very good. Like a teaser. Yeah, you see it before the movie when you go to the cinema. That's it. Um, so that's it for special features. Um, I would have liked a commentary from this director. Or I would have liked these... something, a nod to the real people. Anything at all. Even a picture of the real people. Yeah, there's nothing. mm uh, unfortunate, and but on these kind of movies, I found they don't often have features. In fact, some of them have none. They just have a trailer for a different movie and call that a feature. So, uh, so in conclusion, on this movie, the sessions, I think it was very good. Um, who who won the um, over her for the nomination on the Oscar? Oh, I don't remember what what movie. Oh, it was um, Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Lady. Oh, Sally Field. Sally Field, yeah. Burt Reynolds' lady. Nice. Yeah, she won, didn't she, for Lincoln? Did she? She did, yeah. Remember? I remember. So, um... Are you sure? Because if she had gone up there, she would have said that thing she said 30 years ago. Maybe she didn't go up there. Nah. I don't remember. Wasn't Kerry Washington for Django, was it? Mm -mm. (laughs) Mm-mm. 
So it was <laughs> Anne Hathaway for Les, Les Miserables. I thought she won Les Leading Actress. Yeah, we've, we only watched this. No, because what's her face? Jennifer won Best Leading. She right. fell down. So it was Anne Hathaway. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Good but, one. Uh, how do you say it again? Les Miserables? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't know. Les Miserables. Let's just call them The Miserable. That's the miserable. what it really means. It, it does seem that way, doesn't it, from the trailer? Seems quite. A... That is what it means. The I miserable. I know. I know that's what it means. But I'm saying the the movie, even the way it looks. But that's why it's called that because they're miserable. But it's a very, the, one of the most uplifting tales mm. going. Actually, it, I mean it's a very uplifting um, musical, even though it's called that. So, um, thanks to Fox for the Blu-ray. In, really enjoyed. Uh, you recommend for certain people. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not for everybody. Absolutely not for everybody. It's hard to... If I had to recommend it to people, it's hard to think which ones. I also wouldn't... I wouldn't shy away from watching it with your late teenage people. Because it teaches you a certain reverence for the fact that not everyone is... You with your able body and your health and your physicality. And that you might reject or look down on someone. Or think different about someone... Physically, because of their limitations, and it's just not, it doesn't make any sense. Like, so it's no. not a bad lesson to learn either. So, um, thank you to Fox for the Blu ray. Uh, if you want to enter a contest, you can win a copy this week of Interview with a Hitman from Wellgo USA on Blu ray. Just go to the uh, com. there's a question to answer, and you can win a copy. I've got three to give away, so, uh, and it stars Luke Goss from the uh, boy band Bros. Do you remember him? He was a death race. He played the uh, in the second death race movie, the, mm. the remakes. He was the main guy, Luke Goss. He was from the boy band called Bros in the eighties in the UK, and him and his brother they're identical twins. So um, Bros, you mean Bros? Yeah, but the, the Bros was the name. B R O S. Okay. Brothers. So yeah, you can win a copy of that and. Next week's Blu-ray review will be Wreck-It Ralph. Yay. Really looking forward to that one. Uh, movie game. What is this movie game that we play at this point in the podcast? Sid Talk? Movie year. If you can't figure out the game from the name, I'm not sure if you deserve for me to tell you what it is. It's movie year. You say a movie, I guess the year. And vice versa. Alright. So mine is... The Evil Dead. Ooh. Yes. The Evil Dead. Not the new one that's coming out this year. Sure. Because that would be too easy. The original Evil Dead with uh, Mr. Sam Raimi on directing and Mr. Bruce Campbell. 1979. It's pretty close, but wrong. 1981. (laughs) (laughs) We're always really close. Okay. Mine is Arthur. Arthur. 1981. Is that your final answer? Yeah. That is correct. How did we pick <laughs> movies on the same year? <laughs> yeah. The original Arthur. 81, man. I didn't even realize it was that long Because ago. my favorite Dudley Moore film is 10. I mm. love 10. And that was before Arthur, just though. I think it's 78. Uh, I love 10. I think it's fantastic. You've never seen it. I'm not really. I'm sure I've watched it, but never. I it's no so memory funny. Of it. like, it's really funny. Really? You, you think as a 40-something-year-old man, you'll think it as funny as you did? It has you something. Were... It has a very <laughs> like special kind of thing, because like, I watched it a lot. 
But you were like 15 years old. Yeah. But what I mean your is... Your 15-year-old boy brain is a lot different than your 40 But those films kind of... You can always find something Absolutely. about For them. me, Arthur is... A, yeah. is a, I know the lines. I know the words. I can not be watching it. And I, I if I'm doing dishes and it's over there on, I can see it in my mind. Absolutely 100%. If you paused it and said, go on with this scene, I would act it out. No problem. Same as Scrooged. That's another one of my memorized movies. Anchorman's one of mine, funnily enough. <laughs> oh my god, no shit. When you discovered that movie, you watched it every day for I still like do, over I still, a month. I still have it on every device I've got and I, I turn it you on regularly. You literally would turn it on yeah. and as soon as it would be over sometimes you'd start it again because and you go, oh my god. that's what, oh, <laughs> And you'd say the words sometimes, I remember. I still I watched it last week because <laughs> I've got it on, on my computer and I just... If I've nothing to watch, I'd turn it on. And I can always... It's the kind of movie I can just listen to. Yep. And in fact, I'm not even looking at I it. And those. it's funny while I'm listening to it. Airplane's Absolutely. another one for me that I can just... I can, it doesn't need visuals. I can just listen to it. Because <laughs> I know what's happening. I've seen it that much. So, um, movie recommendations for this week. I am going with, on the topic... I was trying to find movies to do with sex that were not stupid... Or pornographic. Or pornographic. <laughs> and uh, everything, you, you know, I don't like Woody Allen at all. I've made that clear in the past. I'm not a Woody Allen fan. He's yet to... There's something about it I just can't get behind. But everything you wanted to know about sex but were afraid to ask. It's one of the movies I saw around the time when I saw Ten. I was like a 15-year-old boy, like you say. And it was kind of naughty to watch it, I yeah. guess. And it kind of stuck with me, some of it. So... That would have been one that I would recommend, maybe, but it's stupid. Right? It, I mean, it's stupid. Yeah. So I'm not recommending that one. I'm recommending Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Because it's like a weird look at... People's desires. Yeah. It's really off. It's yeah. honest. It's kind of one of those pretentious, but new at the time. Yeah. And yet it's it's not unflinchingly honest. It's more like a... Sort of a contrived honesty look at people's deep darknesses. Of and another one sex. that I really love. I've got three this week, unfortunately. It's Secretary. Oh, God. Which also stars James Spader. Okay, there's one where... Isn't, that's a, a fantastic But you don't want to recommend that to everyone. You don't want to say to people... I don't care. You don't want to say to people, get the secretary and have a night with your wife and enjoy it. Because not everybody... In fact, I think that one would be almost more unacceptable to some people than... The sessions. Yeah. Yeah, it, of course it would, yeah. Because it deals with S&M and, and kind of uh, a person's controlling another person in every way. like Yeah. But it's a really excellent performance. James Spader and Maggie Gyllenhaal. It, it's, um, Maybe Boxing Helena is another one of those kind of weird... Yeah. Secretary is a bit less... Secretary is a bit more palatable than Boxing <laughs> Helena is. Yeah. Boxing Helena is just really weird, right? Um... But yeah, that does deal with sexuality and amputeeism, or everything cut offism. Uh, you could say eyes wide shut. It's got a bit of sexual in 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 the mind, sex, how the desires, and you know, yep. it's not as blatant, really, but it's still kind of. So I'm going with sex lies and videotape. Secretary. It's not the secretary. It's just secretary and Deadwood. And because secretary, by the way, is Jake Gyllenhaal's sister, which is... I just said Maggie Gyllenhaal oh, did you? and uh, James Spader. Which, yeah. which is where it ties into Sex, Lies and Videotape as well, because James Spader's also Correct. not. Um, and Deadwood is my third thing, because 
I know a lot of people probably didn't see Deadwood. It's a HBO show. It's a Western show. Um, it actually stars John Hawks. Well, mm-hmm. he's one of the stars. Um, he's fantastic in it. What, Timothy Elephant. Who does he play in it? The Jew. They call him the Jew. The Jew. Um, yeah, it, don't watch it if you're offended by strong language and racism and, and <laughs> the C word. And the C word. Yeah, the C word. And the yeah, all all the words are in there. It's but really yeah. unflinching as well. A look at the Wild West. Before yeah, it's it really good. It's not like any other Western. <laughs> Is it the time of uh, American history when the West was becoming like becoming? Um, Getting sucked into the federal government, whereas before it was all frontier. If you started a town, yeah, and you were a big bully, you ran the town. You could own it. You made your own laws. You could kill people. You you were not you're not beholden to anybody. Um, and then as the federal government started to spread out, they, this is the time when the federal government starts sending people to Deadwood and saying like, and that was the fame. Actually, the real town of Deadwood yeah. was the famous town that was the start of the. <laughs> Uh, gold rush yeah. so uh, people were flocking there because it's really great how it's it's only three seasons but it's great how it's like a almost like a ghost town at the beginning and then in the third season it's booming because all these people come in to pan yeah. for gold you know um, but unfortunately it got cancelled before it ran its course so it kind of ends a bit abruptly but still don't let that spoil you the you know enjoying the rest of it because it is really high quality uh, so that's my recommendations for this week. Which are yours? Mine are um, really obvious, I think. The Exorcist, of course, uh, because of a priest. <laughs> that's all I... <laughs> the Exorcist would be probably... Because I'm not. I'm a Catholic, never raised Catholic, or around many Catholics. I wasn't raised in any church whatsoever. And so when I saw a priest, that's what I think of. This fallible guy. He smokes, he drinks. Um, he's a little bit you know, troubled and tested and all these things. And so when I think of priests, that's the kind of dude I think of. Challenged constantly to to keep his, to be able faith. to say to people with a, not necessarily his faith, but be able to say to people with a straight face, this is what's happening in your life. And so this is how we're going to apply our faith to it. And that's how I think of, so that's what I thought it was the exorcist. <laughs> and of course, like content is very different. And the other one is um, Tree of Life. Which you have recommended many times. I have, and... but it's got a meaning. About It took my mind to a different place about the meaning of events and things in our lives that we don't... A lot of people don't think about. You know, the difference between the three sons in the Tree of Life and how the father treated the oldest one one way. And then the son who wanted to play guitar and stuff, the father just sort of left left him to it but then the other son he was demanding of and abusive of and the difference that that made later in life as a human being that's where that took me you know my mind goes a different place with these movies that are really beautifully put together and that's why i think of sessions takes me there with the the reality of what what we're watching an entertainment piece about so but tree of life is just fantastic correct so, uh, games and Ace Scully stuff this week. I have been playing a new game that you're all going to be playing this Tuesday if you're a video game fan. And it is called Tomb Raider. It's this new game about this girl called Lara Croft. You know who Lara Croft is. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like... Um, this is like the... 
hate to say it, but it's the reboot of Tomb Raider. That's what they're calling it. So You don't have to call it that. Forget everything that applies from Tomb Raider in the past. All of that is not applicable anymore. It's a new story of Lara Croft. Same character, whole different life that she leads. Um, oh, wait. She's no longer a wealthy girl with adventurous adventures to be had? Yeah, but it's very different this way. This way. You know, like... Her mother was heavily involved in the... There's no mention of a mother in this one. You know, it's it's a different backstory to her. So you play her in this game at the age of 19. And um, it's her first adventure. She's not a Tomb Raider. She's Lara Croft. She's an archaeologist. And her dad was a famous archaeologist. And she used to go along with him as a kid. And she got into archaeology through her father. And this is her first expedition with her archaeologist friends to go with them and seek this thing right to go and find this relic and in a tomb no (laughs) something bad occurs uh the ship that they're on gets um it's the opening sequence wrecked and they they get washed up on an island and it's the story of how she becomes the tomb raider basically like how she goes from the innocent young girl to you know explorer of tombs now i've played it twice this week um so i'm completely tomb raided out like i don't want to see tomb raider for a while but don't let me don't make that's not bad thing this is quite possibly one of the best games ever made holy shit it's definitely the best tomb raider game i have ever played better than grand theft auto um no because i have a special thing for that but i mean on this genre of game Uncharted is another... This borrows a lot of things from Uncharted. Which isn't a bad thing, because Uncharted's a really good game, right? It's fantastic. So this borrows a lot of that and reinvents Tomb Raider. It's not the same thing. It's it's not Tomb Raider like you used to remember. Tomb Raider used to... She had two guns in her hands. It would lock onto targets automatically and you would just kind of press the button and shoot people. And it wasn't really about shooting. It was about solving puzzles and... Raiding tombs. There's a little too much shooting in this one for me because I fucking hate gunfire when I'm not watching a game. So and this... all of a sudden, listen to this, just so wives know, just so you know, you're going to be going along and you're going to hear the story in the background, you're going to hear some tussling, you're going to hear some... And I was like, holy shit, I cannot get a game that doesn't have the gunfire in it. Now this, this game, the gunfire is ex. I mean, <laughs> the shooting in this game is really good. Like, it feels like a really good shooting game instead of it being tacked on. So I think they went from the um, side of let's not have the shooting as an afterthought. Let's have it, like, integral to the game, right? So there's this awesome cover system which I've never seen in any game and I think you're going to see it in every game from now on because Tomb Raider has... So the cover system in most games, if you want to get into cover to hide behind something, you press a button and your character goes into cover and sticks in that cover. Well, in in Tomb Raider, it's automatic cover. So if she's in danger and she's being threatened by something and there is something she can hide behind and you go near it, she'll automatically crouch down so she won't get hit. You don't No input from you. She knows, oh, here's, here's a bit of rock. I'll put my head down. She puts her head down. It makes the game completely... It's It's an awesome thing. You don't have to think about going into cover... The problem with something like Gears of War, 
when you go into cover, you're stuck to that cover, right? You, if you stick to, you're stuck to it. It's like almost like your arm's stuck to the rock until you press the button again to get off it. Well, with this, it's more organic. You can get behind, get, poke around the corner. You can, you know, it's very. I think every game's going to have this cover system from now on. It's like they invented this new cover system. Were you surprised the first time it happened? Well, I was thinking, what button do I press to get behind cover? And then she just crouched down and went behind cover. I was like, okay, that's weird. And it just it's just fantastic. The the shooting is really good. The game, um, even though you say you hear a lot of gunfire, well, the game actually focuses a lot on the bow and arrow. She has a bow and arrow, so... Mm. Um, you could no, go... you don't hear a lot. It's just very random and very distracting. Right, so you could go through the whole game using this bow and arrow, and the bow and arrow you can upgrade throughout the game, which is really cool. So you, And like you think, well, how can she upgrade a bow and arrow? Well, she's finding things along the way. She'll find some twine, and she'll make the, the uh, string on the bow twice as uh, strong, so she can pull it back twice as much. It'll be twice as much damage. It all kind of makes sense, everything she finds. She finds like a baddie's gun on the floor and she pulls the barrel off it and puts it on hers and makes the gun different. So, you know, it's very different. The graphics are like the best graphics I have seen on the Xbox 360. And I'm not joking, out of any game I've seen on the Xbox 360, whatever they did here, I know we're right at the end of the life of the console. They, I think they squeaked every single bit of horsepower. Yeah, well, why not make another 100 games that look this good? Really, they could. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this console... It's not limited. It didn't skip. It didn't pause. There was, there was never like a frame rate hitch. It's totally smooth. The game loads once at the beginning of the game. It loads, and then it never loads again. Oh! And you, the island's massive. It's massive. It's like a an open world game. Um, yes, it's a linear game because you go from story point to story point, and it will say. Now you've got to go to the top of the hill and get on the radio tower, and you've got to make your way to the top of the hill, but. In between the top of the hill and you is a big, massive expanse that you can explore and collect uh, collectibles. And um, yeah, it is fantastic. I highly recommend it. If you had to give it a, in the scale, I'd give it ten out of ten, eleven out of ten. <laughs> um, I've played it twice this week. Yes, I said I'm Tomb Raider out, but that's only because I played the thing through, you know, twice. And it's like a if you take it easy and don't like rush through it. You can get 12 hours out of it. You know, it's like a 12-hour game. So, you know, I've played it for 24 hours this week. That's why I feel like I've seen enough Lara Croft. Yes. Um, so I highly recommend it. It's out on Tuesday. Uh, go and get it. Uh, other games I've been playing this week. Bit Trip Runner 2 came out this week. Um, Bit Trip Runner was... Bit Trip games are the games that came out on the Wii. And they are um, like... A, well, a runner, it's a runner game. A guy runs from left to right. You have no control over him. He's going to run all the time. And there are obstacles placed in the way that you have to navigate. So he's just going to run. You don't control the running. And then the, you press A to jump. You pull down to slide underneath things. This adds a load of new things. Like you can hold a bat in front of you to bound things off you. And while that sounds really simplistic, it gets insane. It's almost like your brain can't handle the... <laughs> I mean, it's, think about it. See, there's a guy running, and occasionally there'll be something to jump over. When you have to jump over it, you press A, right? When you have to slide underneath something, because he's going to hit his head, you pull down. When you want to 
if some like a bullet's coming towards you, you want to rebound it, you have to push right to put up your bat and rebound it. So there's just three things you can. Uh, it, it piles things on as it gets. But then it's gonna be like jump, dive, duck, jump, dive, duck, jump, dive, duck, jump, 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 dive, duck, like really fast. <laughs> yeah. And it's all in time to music. So the soundtrack of the game actually incorporates your jumps and stuff. So if you do it correctly, because there's only one way to do it, there's no other way to do it, right? There's, you either jump or you die. So when you jump, it adds a bit to the music. So it, it makes this musical piece. Now, it's almost like your brain gets broken at some point because I'm fine. It's really easy at the beginning. You just jump over some things. It's very easy. Then they start mixing jump, duck, slide, jump, duck, slide, slide, and and then combinations of that. Slide, 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 jump, slide, 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 slide. I, I find myself just, like, not, like... You just give up? No, I'd find... It's fantastic, but I, I find myself looking at the controller going, I don't actually know what to press anymore. <laughs> like, my brain is broken. <laughs> like, it's it's too much for me. I, I know it's only three things you're telling me to do, but it's so fast and, like, I can't... So... If you want a challenge of your physical reflexes, this is the game to play. And what's better about Bitrip Runner 2 than the first one is it's a proper game. The first one was like very, almost like a tech demo. It was like an 8-bit style. And it was like, um, here's a bunch of levels, jump, duck, jump. This one's actually a proper game. It's got a story, it's got cutscenes. It's not 8-bit anymore. It's like next-generation graphics. It's like... So it's not a bit rip, bit runner. It's bit trip presents runner two. It's right. called. So it's like an. It looks like a modern. Oh, so bit trip is the name of the company. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, they call Gaijin Games, but the actual name of the series of games is bit trip. Okay. Um, but it, this new game doesn't look eight bit. There are some eight bit elements. There are hi- hidden levels throughout. You can find little Atari cartridges, and when you hit them, you do an eight bit version of the level you just played. So they do incorporate that, but. It's on Steam now, uh, on PC. It's uh, $15. It's also coming on Vita, PS3, Xbox 360, and Wii U. So you can get it on everything, basically. Uh, Another game I've been playing this week is Trials Evolution Gold Edition. Now, last week I told you I played this knockoff version of Trials on the Vita. And while that was good and everything... It just made me think, I want to play the real Trials again. I've played it all the way through on the Xbox 360. So I went and had a look on Steam to see if there was a PC version of it, because I've never played the PC version. Might as well try that one, you know, it might be different. And there's a brand new version of it for the PC called Trials Evolution Gold Edition that isn't out until next month. It comes out next month, and what it actually is, is all the DLC and everything combined into this big like, ultimate version of Trials that has all the tracks, all the modes, all the bikes, everything that they've done, plus new levels. Um, So it comes out next month on Steam, um, but if you buy it now, like, pre-order it, they give you the beta version, which is the full game anyway. It's just got a couple of problems, but nothing that actually affects the gameplay. Um, So you get it straight away. You don't have to wait till it comes out next month. So it's on Steam... It's fantastic. I, I love Trials Evolution. And the things that they've added to the PC version that is really cool is you can upload your replays to YouTube like automatically at the end of each level. Which, Trials is such a technical game. When you do like a really <laughs> awesome run on a level, you want to show it to somebody. Because <laughs> you're like, oh my god, I, I can't believe what I just did. It's so good. So, 
That, that is out. Or it's really difficult and you might want to go find how somebody did something. Right, yeah, exactly. So if you do a perfect run and upload it to YouTube, that is a good thing for some other people to go, oh, right, that's where he goes slower and goes faster. Right. You know? So yeah, Trials Evolution Gold Edition. It's on Steam. It's a fantastic game. I can't recommend it. I recommend it on 360. This one's even better. Um, there's a game coming out on Tuesday called SimCity. Little game. Yep. Uh, you are excited? I'm, I'll be excited when I play it. I, I don't have your anticipatory genetic makeup. It's actually out on Tuesday, though, so get excited. It's really close. No, that's not how my mind works. I will get excited when I sit down and the music starts and I can play it. You will be doing that this week sometime. <laughs> um, probably Wednesday. If you're off work on Wednesday, I imagine if... if no, si- I'll be working this Wednesday. Will you? Mm-hmm. I thought you worked last Wednesday. No. Did I? Yeah, you did. No. I don't think so. Oh, yes, I did. So Wednesday, if wow. this finds its way onto your computer, I believe you will like sit and play. Dying. Right? My brain is losing it. You know, last week seemed shorter because I have three-day, four-day, three-day, four-day because I work 12-hour shifts. It seemed odd because of the snowstorms and how few people were there. Right. During a cut, and I was there on a Sunday, and I'm always there on Sunday. There's not many people. And then during the snow stuff, there wasn't many people around. And I was alone for like two whole days, which makes it really lovely. So that's why I felt like I didn't work last Wednesday. That's awesome, though, isn't it? When you totally forget that you even worked a whole extra day. So I imagine if you, if SimCity's on your computer this Wednesday, you probably won't see much of Wednesday. You'll just play Correct. SimCity. So, uh, yeah, that's out on Tuesday. And finally, there's a new game on Steam. You remember I've talked about Trackmania in the past. Yes. It's a fantastic racing game from Nadio. It's like a... It's really hard to explain. It's very niche. It's like a racing game that's just time trials it's not like you don't race anybody it's like you beat each other's times that's racing right but you don't actually ever physically race anybody like you race and then three hours later your friend comes online and he races your right but this one is not that it's all real time like 10 of you can be racing at the same time i mean but your friend might be in a race 10 three hours ago and now you want to go yes and then you race against 10 people and his ghost Right. But this one also has this multiplayer mode, which is what it's famous for, where up to, I think, 50 of you can be in a room at once, and you all race on the same track, but everybody else is kind of like a ghost, and you're real, but it's all real time. You're all there. So it gets a bit chaotic. There's like 50 cars all like flashing on top of each other, mm. but um, you're all trying to beat each other's time, and you get three minutes as many times as you want around the track to try and get a faster time than everybody else. Um, well... How this Trackmania game is working is they is you can create your own tracks, so they give you tile sets, they call them, to make the tracks with. The last one was called Canyon, so the whole the creation set was based around a canyon environment, canyons and roads going through canyons. Now, they've released the beta of the new version, which is called Stadium, which is a stadium environment, so it's like a big Olympic stadium, and what's different about the stadium to the canyon is the stadium has loop-de-loops and uh-huh. it's, it's crazy. It's like stunt driving. Right. Um, is so this cars or motorcycles? Cars. It's available on Steam. It's in beta. It's free to play. Free to download the beta. Um, you might as well. It's really fun. If you're into racing games, it's one of, my, it's one of those weird racing games where you can just sit back in your chair. It's, it's relaxing. It's not stressful at all. It would be to me. But it's not. It's like, like if I have to play like Forza and I'm, I have to sit and race somebody, it's kind of stressful because, you know, it's 
it's competitive. You're right up against each other. You got to watch. I'm not. Don't knock him off the track. I've got to drive nice. So no one's really there when you're pacing. They're all there, but you you're just going against you the can track. You drive right through them. Drive right through them. I get you. Or you can turn them off so you can't see them. Just see the times. I like to see them so I can kind of see what people are doing to cut seconds off. You know. Oh look, that guy cuts that corner. I'll do that. You know. Ah yeah. So um, it's but it's real relaxing. And the funny thing about Trackmania, and this is like the ultimate thing. A racing game that's relaxing is hilarious. And this makes it the weirdest, this makes it unlike any other game. Is the people who run the servers, which can be you, you could run a a Trackmania server, you could create ten tracks. Because it's got a full editor, you know, you can make your own specialised tracks. And then run a server and let people race your ten tracks. Well, what makes it really cool is you can add your own music to each track. And it can be copied. It's not supposed to be, but everybody uses copyrighted music. So every server you go on can be something... Com- you go on one server, it's just like weird country country tracks. You go on another server, it's dubstep. You go on another server, it's like comedy records, like really weird, like avant-garde comedy or spoken words sometimes. Like it's odd, like you don't know what's coming, like... Like, I was driving the other day, and, like, it's a Britney Spears server. And it's like, <laughs> Britney Spears, 24-7. And I'm like, wow, this is really weird. Like, it's it adds something to it, the, the fact that... Oh, well, yeah. So, there's no other game where it has licensed music that's just random. Illegal. Illegal and random. <laughs> and, and everybody hears it. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, Trap Mania. It's on Steam. You can get it for free. That's my stuff for this week. So, Sid Talk, what is for dinner? Leftovers, but you'll be happy. It's leftover lasagna. Oh yeah, that is that is a good choice. It is a good choice, and uh, with peas, I believe. And I don't have much to say today. I'm not feeling well. I feel kind of blah. So I'm going to say my advice is to go through old pictures that you have, or your mother has, or your grandmother has, and what you can. Well, you're not going to do what I've done, but I scan every family photo that we have that I get my hands on. That means that I have scanned images of my of my mother, not just pictures, my mother's birth announcement. And then I have pictures of her as a very little baby and then of her as a little girl and a toddler and a growing girl and a preteen and a teenager and a grown in her 20s and her 30s and her 40s and her 50s and her 60s and now into her 70s. I have my mother's entire life through pictures to know her. Like, it's a, you're from a distance, yes. You're going to know this person from a distance. But when you watch somebody's whole life that way, because I put them in order and I list them you know, in my folders, I try to name them so that they will go in the order of age as best as I can. So if I do a slideshow of one of my folders, I'm watching a person's life, like a slideshow of their life. And a lot of people that I've known their whole lives, my nephew, a lot of my nephew, my nieces, my nephews. So I have pictures of them from the moment they're born through everything, their graduations and now their weddings and... You just get, it's not a intimate knowing of them, obviously. It's a remote knowing of them. But it just gives you a different perspective that everybody, everybody you know, has that whole life. Whether you like them or not, they've had the whole of it. They were a baby that somebody was excited about, hopefully, and that somebody fuddled over and gave them a bath and cared for them and protected them. And then they learned how to walk and talk and do all that kind of stuff. And when you look at the pictures of somebody's whole life, you just get that perspective on them. It's just a, and it's fun. I think it's fun anyway. I can sit. You say that racing game is relaxing for me. 
I could bring in a stack of 100 pictures in here. And I'll scan them one by one. And a lot of people would be like, oh, my God, that's so boring. And it takes so much time. I feel like when I sit down to do it, I'm just like, oh, and I load the scanner and scan it. And I listen. And I do something. And I load the scanner. And I scan it. And then I see it really huge on my screen. And I edit it. I mean, I just find it one of the most satisfying things to do. I just love it. So that's my recommendation for the week. I don't need advice except that. Go through your old pictures. Good advice, Sid Talk. I think so. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. I want to remind you about our websites, acescully.com and sidtalk.com. You can go there. You can win a Blu-ray. You can listen to a podcast like this one. You get a lot more wisdom. Or you can get Read wisdom. Read all the written reviews. You, you, don't, you always forget to mention them. They're all there. Everything is there. Go there. It's your The written reviews are not transcripts of this podcast. They are a separate written review that either I or another person has written a lot of. Well, they do include the podcast now on the page of the reviews. You can listen to it, but there's no transcript of it. So my written reviews are simply, in the moment, what I decide to write down about that movie. They're not always great. Uh, They're not always very explanatory about the movie. Sometimes it goes off on a thing, like now, that has nothing to do with the review, but... So, uh, catch us on Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, Xbox Live, YouTube, <laughs> Zoom Marketplace for this podcast, or the RSS feed, just go to ascoli.com, click on the word podcast, or if you're an Apple person, go to the iTunes Music Store and find it there. You can email feedback to me at ascoli at ascoli.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She does not give a poop. <laughs> oh, I will in a minute. And stay classy, um, Helen Hunt. <laughs> Definitely. I agree with that one. And I'm going to say think for yourself, because if you don't do it, somebody's doing it for you. Bye.